This Faith and Finance podcast is underwritten in part by LightPoint Portfolio Solutions. Does your organization's retirement plan reflect your faith values? With 25 years of experience in biblically responsible investing, LightPoint Portfolios offers turnkey faith-based qualified retirement plans for businesses, nonprofits, and churches. LightPoint Portfolio seeks out family and faith-friendly investments for 401k and 403b plans, integrating faith values and fiduciary duty. Learn more at lightpointportfolios.com. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Proverbs 19:21. I am Rob West. That verse reminds us that we should always seek God's counsel in our affairs. That's true for individuals and for nations. I'll talk with economist Jerry Boyer about what happens when a nation ignores God's plan. Then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Well, I'm excited that my friend and faith and finance resident economist Jerry Boyer is with us again today. Uh, Today's discussion is part two of a six-part series we're doing on a biblical economic worldview. Now, I know that sounds a little dry, but trust me, Jerry Boyer is never boring. And uh, Jerry, great to have you back with us. Dry? (laughs) Economic worldview sounds dry? (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I can't believe it. A little academic. (laughs) Jerry, the last time you talked about how an economy is supposed to work when everyone follows biblical principles. So let's just recap. Give us a thumbnail sketch of that before we dive into today's topic, which is, in fact, what went wrong. Well, the way it's supposed to work is the way it's designed to work, which is how it worked in creation in the garden, which is that we are subordinate to God. God creates the world. Um, Then God makes man in his own image and likeness. And since up until then, the only thing we've seen God do is be creative uh, to take things and make them better. You know, day one was good. Why is there a day two? Well, I guess we can make it better. Day two is good. um, Tov. Uh, God saw that it was good. Um, But there's still a day three. So I guess we can make it better, right? That's how Mm, God does it. Um, And that's what man is supposed to do. And so up until the creation of man, that's what we've seen God do. So that gives us a pretty strong reason to believe that when it says that man is made in the image and likeness of God, that has a strong emphasis on what we've been seeing God do whose image and likeness we're in, which is to make things. Now, God makes things out of nothing, we, uh, but he also takes things that are already made and improves them. We can only do that second one. We can only improve, uh, but that is, in fact, our job. And when we do that under God, what we do is we defer gratification. We learn. We improve. We don't eat all the fruit. We take some of the seeds, and then, um, and then we plant those, and then there's more trees, and we take care of them, and more trees means more fruit, and more fruit means more seeds, and more seeds means more trees, and on and on it goes, and it's this virtuous cycle of abundance, yes. um, and that's the way it's supposed to work. But of course, that's not how it stayed. Something went wrong. Yeah, something went drastically wrong. So pick up there, Jerry. What went wrong? Well, sin and alienation from God 
alienation from the creation and alienation from one another. Yeah. Uh, the man and the woman hide from God separately, not together. Uh, so a lot of things, everything went wrong in some sense, but I'm yes. going to focus in on two things. The world went wrong and we went wrong. The world went wrong in the sense that it was now cursed, which means there's more scarcity. Thorns and thistles rather than fruit trees and bushes. Uh, sweat of our brow. Work became toilsome. There's more scarcity. And when there's more scarcity, the basis of economic growth is cut off because economic growth is about reinvesting for the future, not consuming now so that there can be growth. Uh, we went wrong in the sense that we became more animalistic and more appetite-driven, which means that we're not willing to, in an era of scarcity, to defer into the future. And again, cutting off that virtuous cycle of deferring, working, producing more now by consuming less now. Mm, yeah, and I think that's really key, Jerry. You talk about this virtuous cycle versus what we're in now, which is a vicious cycle. Obviously, the virtuous cycle is really God's design for all of this, but uh, we have a way of taking God out of his rightful place and putting government in his place, and that doesn't work, does it? It doesn't. That's the false solution. The false solution is instead of turning back to God— we turn man into a god. Mm. Now, what man gets turned into a god? Well, tends to be the kings, right? Yeah. So we turn to government as our new god. Yes. All right, we're going to continue to unpack this. When we come back, we'll talk about this vicious cycle that we're in now and what we can do about it. Jerry Boyer with us today, our resident economist and president of Boyer Research. Your call's coming up a little later in the program as well. 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Much more to come. Stick around. What if buying groceries, gas, or dining out could help change lives? With Christian Community Credit Union's Cards That Give to Missions, you can help spread the gospel, combat human trafficking, and protect vulnerable children with every purchase at no cost to you. Apply for your card today. More information is available at joinchristiancommunity.com. That's joinchristiancommunity.com. The Credit Union is an underwriter of this ministry. Membership eligibility required. When we follow Jesus, the things of this world grow strangely dim. We focus less on ourselves and more on God's kingdom. In Michael Blue's book, Free to Follow, we're reminded to surrender everything to Jesus and follow Him. Free to Follow explores what the Bible says about money and possessions and challenges you to rethink the way you view and use them. Request a copy of Free to Follow with your gift of any amount to faithfi.com slash follow. Delighted to have you with us today on Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. With me today, my friend and our resident economist, Jerry Boyer. He's president of Boyer Research, and you can read uh, his columns at World Opinions. Uh, Jerry joins us today with part two in a six-part series on a biblical economic worldview. Just before the break, Jerry was sharing God's design for economics and wealth creation, which you might call a virtuous cycle. And he was also talking about where it went wrong, starting with sin entering the world. But also, we perpetuate that by really getting into a not a virtuous cycle, but a vicious cycle. Uh, Jerry, talk about that for a moment. What does that look like? 
Well, a vicious cycle gets worse and worse, right? So there's a next phase downward in the decline. And that occurs when we try to solve it ourselves. So when things go wrong, what you're supposed to do is turn back to God and say, help us. Um, you know, where there are thorns and thistles, help bring a good crop, help me be disciplined, help us be productive, um, help make our work a little less woe and a little more joy. And then that can turn around. But instead, what we do is we say, we'll solve it. We'll create our own God, which typically is the state. Uh, in modern terms, what that means is we give enormous power to government and set, in essence, Instead of going back to God as king, we create another king. We take the crown from God's head, or try to imagine that we can, and put it on the head of the king. Uh, in terms of modern economics, what that usually means is debasing currency and easy money and high debt and low interest rates. And I did this video series back, I think it was in 2009, and the Fed was just embarking in this direction. Yeah. I didn't know how far it was going to go, honestly, uh, in, the, in that direction. And what that does is it creates a tremendous bubble. That's a way of dealing with our anxiety. Like in your life, if you have anxiety problems, maybe you get drunk you yeah. know, or take narcotics, and you do feel a little better for a little while, but it actually makes things worse. Well, the financial version of that is debasing currency. That's the drug to which a financial system can become addicted. But the problem is eventually you get inflation. Uh, and we did. And yes. then eventually that inflation can't be denied. And then the government fights it by pulling money out of the system and raising interest rates and contracting the money supply. And that pops the bubble because ultimately reality cannot be denied. We can try to ignore it, but when we try to make man a God, he isn't a God and he can't create out of nothing like God can. We can print money. We can't create wealth out of nothing. Uh, and if you print money, but don't create new wealth, you don't get new stuff. You just get higher prices. Mm, yeah, and we're certainly experiencing that right now. Uh, Jerry, also, when we begin to print money, uh, instead of taking it and putting it back into economic expansion and production and giving it to the God that created us to acknowledge his rightful place, it goes uh, in this bigger state toward more taxes, which uh, drives consumption down, right? Yeah, it really does. Uh, I mean, I don't want the government to debase currency and give it to anybody. Uh, but it's even worse in the sense that it debases currency and gives it in the wrong places. It gives it to, to central power. Uh, so it's not just a matter of debasing currency. You know, uh, Ben Bernanke, former Fed chairman, said, we're going to have helicopter money, like we're going out across America and dropping money from helicopters. Well, it seems like all the helicopters got stuck in Manhattan because uh, mm -hmm. they dropped all the money on the banking system <laughs> and it didn't get out to the rest of us until, um, you know, the inflation was pretty high. By the way, that's called the Cantillon effect for people who are into the dry economic stuff. So whoever gets the money first gets it before the inflation occurs. So this inflation is actually actually a transfer of wealth from the poor and middle class to the ruling class, to the financial and political class. So not only do we debase currency, uh, but we give the debased currency to the wrong people. Mm. Well, and the reality is, although you can print money infinitely, you can't print wealth infinitely. So the yields that are there are not representative of what's actually going on, right? No, an interest rate tells the truth about you. 
right? I mean, if a society doesn't save, interest rates rise, right? Because, you know, money is scarce. Savings is scarce. If a society debases currency, interest rates rise because you need to be protected against inflation. If a society isn't covenant keeping, if a lot of people commit um, uh, bankruptcy, uh, they don't they don't repay, we don't keep our agreements, well, interest rates rise because there's the danger of default and you need to be compensated for that. There are risk premia in interest rates. They reflect who we are. Maybe we don't like what we see. You know, maybe maybe the interest rates tell us things about ourselves that we don't know. So what financial suppression or easy money or debasing of currency or pushing down interest rates, whatever you want to call it, that's like looking in a skinny mirror. You know, you yeah. say, yeah. hey, I look good. Well, no, <laughs> you, you don't. <laughs> uh, that, that's just, you just, feel, you just think you're financially healthy yes. because the central bank is creating money. You're, we're not saving that money. Um, the central bank is creating it. It looks and feels like abundance, but it in fact is scarcity and distortion. Mm. All right, Jerry. So what can we do about this? Where do we go from here? Put the crown back where it belongs um, or, you know, we don't put it, acknowledge where the crown was all along, which means demote the state to what, you know, what Paul said in Romans 13. It's just a servant. That's all the state is. Uh, it's not a God. Um, you know, uh, Paul and Peter in their letters had the habit of referring to the emperor as the king. Yeah. Well, does that mean there's no emperor? Well, no, Jesus is the emperor. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. But, you know, Caesar's just another king. He's just another payroller. You know, he's, the high, he's God's hired help. Um, maybe he doesn't realize it or not. So you demote the state and then get refocused on God. Now, we're so far behind that Christians are going to have to do this on our own for a while. We're not going to be able to say to the culture, the state isn't God, and have the culture give up idolatry to the state. That's not the way it works. We have to personally act like the state isn't God in our own financial decisions, and then we will mirror to the world what God's economy looks like, which is abundance and generosity. We give to God because that refocuses us. It recalibrates us. Uh, we give to the church. We give to the poor uh, because God tells us to, but also because it creates a community. So we have to show what it looks like in order for us to expect the world to say, oh, I'll take that rather than I'll take the mystery of acting like a Christian, even though I don't know what that looks like because I don't see Christians doing it. Mm. Yeah, so it starts with us and our own economies and how we handle God's money. And then as nations, it's either we're going to apply these principles or we're not. And there's consequences for that, right? There really are. And I really think that's an important point. Just because we do it right doesn't mean the nations will listen. I think history shows that when a nation is exposed to the gospel, things can get better or they can get worse. What they can't do is stay the same. So, you know, South Korea said the gospel, that sounds good. Uh, and they largely started to become a more Christian society. They're not fully Christian, but they embraced a lot of Christian institutions. North Korea looked at it and said, oh, well, I think our glorious leader is Jesus. And they rewrote the gospel accounts uh, with the with the dictator in the in with his own little nativity scenes. Mm. So North and South Korea both got the gospel. That was called what they call that the Jerusalem of the East because it was the center of missionary activity. They both heard the gospel, and one part of the nation said, or a lot of people did, ah, I want to follow this Jesus. And another part of the nation said, oh, I am this Jesus. Uh, and look at the difference. Well, you can see it at night from satellites: darkness and light. 
Mm, that's powerful. Well, when you come back, Jerry, next time for part three, we'll talk about the way out of all of this. You touched on it today. We'll build upon this and go even deeper next time. Jerry, always great to have you with us, my friend. Always a pleasure. That's our resident economist, Jerry Boyer. You can read his insightful columns for World News Group at WNG.org. Your calls are next. Stay here. We'll be right back. We are grateful for support from Sound Mind Investing in the Faith and Finance Program. If you have money in a retirement account or just a general investing account, you know the stock market can sometimes seem like a roller coaster. But it is possible to enjoy both profit and peace of mind in investing, no matter what's happening in the market. You can see a short video webinar on that topic at soundmindinvesting.org. Since 1990, Soundmind Investing has sought to offer financial wisdom for living well. Soundmindinvesting.org. My name is Kent, and I'm a member of Christian Healthcare Ministries. I have a friend who actually has great insurance, and she recently had a, a life-threatening experience. And she was laying in the hospital bed afraid, not afraid for her life, but afraid of what her insurance would or would not cover. And as a CHM member, I can honestly say I just never have that fear. I can't tell you the, the peace of mind that provides. Learn more about Christian Healthcare Ministries' biblical cost sharing at chministries.org. Well, it's great to have you with us today on Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. We've got a few lines open today for your calls and questions. The number, 800-525-7000. Give us a call. Uh, let's head to David in Louisville. Go ahead, sir. Hi, just a que question. Uh, my family, uh, my sons and my wife and I have a landscaping business. It's been part-time since 2006. This year we made a change and um, we're going into it full-time. My sons are still in college, but it's going to be full-time for me. And um, we're getting quite a bit of, we, we've done a fair amount of work. I, last year, I think our, um, we, we brought home between you know, the whole business about $50,000. It was just part-time. Um, so I know that's not that much, but um, this year it looks like our work's going to significantly increase by what we have lined up already. And so I need some, I need some equipment, some additional equipment to handle that workload. And I was just wondering what your thought was about, getting a, um, a business line of credit of about uh, $50,000 to, um, you know, to, to handle that. Yeah. Well, it certainly makes some sense. I think you just have to go into it very carefully. Uh, you know, typically a business line of credit, uh, you know, is more flexible than a business loan because it can be used for any purpose. It would be revolving credit. So you can carry a balance that accrues interest and then pay it back as you're able. And then you could borrow more, um, which could be helpful here because if you can go slow and just add the equipment as you need to, and then hopefully as the, you know, you see that revenue increasing, you could pay that back. And then, you know, that line could be available to you down the road when you kind of reach the next threshold of, of needing some additional capacity. Um, I would look certainly for an unsecured line of credit that doesn't require any collateral. And what's nice about the lines of credit is they're usually a bit easier to qualify for than a business loan. So, uh, you know, I think that makes some sense. I think the key is just to make sure you're being realistic about the business that you'll have and not getting ahead of yourself and kind of eating up your profits with debt service, especially with uh, the rise in interest rates. So you're going to have to count the cost of what you need. And I would just try to go as slow 
as you can in terms of taking on uh, the debt before you, you know, realize the business that you're hoping and praying for as you expand and give more full-time attention to this. Um, is that helpful, though? Yes, yes, I, I agree. And I, I thought through some of that. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a bit, we've never borrowed money uh, much at all. You know, I mean, we did for a mortgage and I think a vehicle one time years ago, but, um, you know, other than that, we, we haven't borrowed money. And so it's just, you know, it's a, a little bit scary for me to step yeah. out and do it. But yeah, I mean, the, the only downside, well, there's a few downsides. I mean, one is there's going to be some fees. There's usually an origination fee and there's going to be monthly maintenance fees and annual fees and draw fees each time you withdraw from the, the line. So you're going to want to compare those as you shop this around. They also tend to have higher rates compared to traditional business loans. Uh, so you'll you know generally qualify for competitive terms on a business line of credit if you meet their eligibility criteria and have a solid credit rating. And again, a lot of it's going to do with whether or not uh, you, uh, you know, are giving a personal guarantee. But, um, you know, you're going to want to just try to limit that and you're going to want to shop it around and make sure that you're, you know, getting one that not only has a, the best rate you can find, but you look at these other fees as well. And then the big question is just going to be that, you know, whether or not you're comfortable with that personal guarantee. But it sounds like you've, you guys have been in this space. Obviously, you know what it takes. The fact that you're now going to, you know, focus full time on it. Uh, you've already got some profit going. That's great. Um, I would imagine you have a pretty good handle on what it's going to take to actually build it up to where it is going to be able to meet your needs. And then hopefully you're building something that has value and, uh, you know, could be sold down the road or something like that. So I would just say, yes, that can make some sense, but count the cost, go slow and, um, you know, make sure that uh, you don't get ahead of yourself and chew up your profits with the debt service. David, all the best to you guys as you move forward with this. I'm excited for you. Thanks for calling today. Uh, Karen is in Holmes County, Ohio. Hi, Karen. Go right ahead. Hi, thank you. Um, in 2004, I bought a property listed as residential to run my business out of, and unknowing to me, the property changed to commercial zoning when I turned in my signage application. Uh, fast forward to now, um, I've changed businesses, and the only thing I could figure that I could handle with, was an Airbnb, but the income from the Airbnb is pretty much only covering the mortgage and upkeep. Um, we aren't making anything yet that contributes to retirement. And originally we bought the place with the thought that it would be a portion of our retirement. So I'm trying to figure out, is there something I'm missing? I can't sell it at a commercial zoning and get the money out of it that it's valued at. And um, I don't know what to do if I should just cut my losses and. Yeah. Uh, have you looked into the, the zoning laws there? Because, I mean, it depends on where you're at, but it is possible for commercial properties to be uh, rezoned to residential or back to residential. Uh, have you explored that fully? I did several years ago, and at the time, I, we were tied on funds, and I was told we had to pay an $80 fee and that most likely the zoning commission wouldn't approve it. So I didn't proceed. Yeah. Um, just I could do it again now, but I, I don't have high hopes. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, obviously, counties and municipalities have specific 
you know, zoning specifications for every property within the community, residential, commercial, industrial, agricultural, mixed use. Uh, and then there's, you know, within each of those classes or subcategories. Um, but I think, I mean, obviously I don't know the specifics here, but given that it had previously been residential, I think you probably have a pretty good case uh, to have it changed back to residential. Um, so it would be at least worth exploring, in my opinion. I mean, it'd be one thing if this was a, a commercially zoned all along and, you know, it's in a clearly a commercial zoning category, but obviously residential is a part of this area uh, because that was its previous zoning classification. So I think before I'd take a loss on this, I'd probably explore every option to see if I could get uh, the county to take another look at it and consider at your request and appeal it being changed back before I do anything. So that would be my next step, Karen. I understand this is challenging, but uh, it's probably worth the legwork for you to do some digging on it. We appreciate your call, Dave. Let us know how that goes. I'd love to hear the end of the story. We appreciate you being on the program. And that's going to do it for us today. I really appreciate your taking time to listen to this program and to committing the principles we talk about each time to your financial life. You see, God's plan isn't difficult, but it does take discipline, and I hope we can encourage you along the way as you listen to this program. Incidentally, if If you've been helped by what you've heard here, would you mind helping us? This broadcast, the FaithFi app, and the other great resources we provide wouldn't be possible without the financial support we receive from listeners like you. If you're not yet one of our financial partners but would like to be, would you visit our website, faithfi.com? And then click the Give button to sign up. We'd certainly be grateful. In the meantime, please set an alarm on your phone and make plans to join us again next time. I'll be here, and I hope you will be too, for another edition of Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.